Stampede. Garner is in number 65. Recorded 9-27-2020. Probably some of you people believe that if a vaccine is developed to defeat COVID-19, you'll be safe. Now, if you've been listening to me, when I warned you about the potential of biological weapons being released onto human populations, saying you weren't safe, the reality of that warning has come true. And the fact of the matter is, 
if a vaccine is effective in stopping the spreading of this disease, it'll probably never completely eradicate it. COVID-19 and its effects are going to be with us for a very long time. You weren't safe before COVID-19 was developed in a laboratory, and you're not going to be safe after a vaccine to combat it is developed. No, this isn't like an infestation of termites you have in your house and you call for an exterminator to spray. No, this bug is going to be with us for a long time. COVID-19 is a historic event, and if I'm not mistaken, it was created by humans. Even so, there are a lot of signs that we aren't safe, and I'm not just talking about a new biological plague coming to our doorstep. There are people who would make you believe everything is all right, but I'm not one of them. Take, for example, what has been built about a thousand kilometers from the North Pole on one of the islands in the chain of islands called Slavbard, owned by Norway. It is the Slavbard Seed Vault, a structure built into a glacial mountain containing and preserving over 500,000 plant seeds, with more seeds continually being added. This project is funded by several foundations, the corporate giant DuPont, the world's largest owner of potential genetically modified plant seeds, Syngenta, a Swiss-based GMO seed company, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The vault is designed to withstand any condition that might compromise the integrity of the stored seeds. The reasons for their storage are in the event they're needed to reinstitute plant life onto our planet in case of an ecological catastrophe.
That's right. I'm telling you, we aren't safe. The storage of seeds near the Arctic Circle in the event they're needed to restart planting life on our planet should make you pause. It says some very smart people think we should prepare for some very nasty trouble. And putting aside the idea that we're going to be able to save our planet by replanting it is a fool's mission. It may be that the preservation of seeds are to be used at some future date. It could be another reason for this project. But at the heart of the motivation to collect seeds, the need is for food. There may be other factors, such as modifying plants for harvesting in the production of fibers, creating things that could be made by plants. But the production of food is at the center of what we need, and that may be where we're vulnerable. If you can't keep producing enough food, you've got a crisis that makes COVID-19 look like a walk in the park. No, you won't be safe when you can't get your minimum daily required vitamins. Of course, you might be introduced to some new forms of protein, like ground-up artificially flavored bug juice. That's right. There are all sorts of ways of keeping you well-fed. I mean, if you're forced with a crisis of not having anything to eat, you might find yourself consuming insects disguised as chopped lettuce or pan-fried cockroaches flavored with steak sauce. No, you aren't safe. And you may find the way of life you've learned to expect might be turned upside down. I only tell you these things because there are a lot of people who want to remain in power. And I'm not talking about Democrats or Republicans. No, power rests with different elements of our society. And the people that have it aren't inclined to give those who don't much information, at least honest and straightforward information, because that could threaten their power.
I'm not here to distort the facts, to frighten you for my own personal gain. No, if anything, I prefer to tell you about how much better we would be if we had a bucolic life of tranquility, free from the tension of violence and competitiveness we live under in a consumerist society. You've been taught to go out and consume as much as possible without a regard for the future, and the people at the top are getting fat convincing you to do that because they don't have to worry about anything. Of course, when things start turning south, I'm reminded of how the people during the French Revolution dealt with a privileged class, especially when they told the people to let them eat cake when they barely had enough to buy bread. No, the sentiment today may not be much different if members of Congress, representatives, senators, staffers, and members of the executive and judicial branch of our government are taken in front of a firing squad. Yes, members that are in power might find they can't stop the wave of dissatisfaction felt by the general public, especially if they can't be protected by the police or the military. When there's a breaking down of trust in the system and the people realize all the deception fed to them, things can get messy. Let's see, all those plush individuals living in 10, 20, or $30 million houses on guarded estates outside of Washington, D.C., might one day find people carrying assault weapons knocking on their doors. I don't advocate that. I just tell you what happens when you lie to the people too long and they've been forced with the prospect of never having a better life. Things get out of hand when people feel they've been deceived or cheated, when people abuse their power and try to manipulate the people they serve, some very ugly things can result. When people have had enough, and when that will happen is difficult to say, but all the signs are there that it's coming. Thank you.
I've often wondered why someone becomes a politician. Is it because of the money? You know, like being able to convince people to contribute to a political campaign? A politician's campaign contributions sometimes end up being large. Upon Edward Kennedy's death, his war chest from political contributions was reported to be over $49 million. The Federal Election Commission is responsible for assuring funds received for a candidate are prohibited from being used personally. But money is the mother milk of politics, and there's no shortage of creative thinking for how it can be funneled. First thing you have to do after leaving office, especially when you're a well-recognized powerful politician, is to set up a nonprofit charitable foundation. The Internal Revenue Service closely regulates foundations, and often a politician with their spouse or children offer their services free of salary. But Foundations formed by highly successful politicians always attract wealthy donors that sought favors in the past, favors received when the politician was in office. Let's say, like while in office, helping a contractor receive a lucrative highway construction project and making a contribution to a politician's foundation years later as a kind of payback. Foundations can have large cash holdings and may employ thousands of salaried people, all with close ties to a politician's career. A foundation may promote a political point of view while claiming its principles are to help with social causes. Even so, a politician, his wife, and children may be officers of a $100 million foundation, but may not receive a salaried position. But like I said, money can be directed in lots of ways. If you're the daughter of a prominent politician, and you sit as an officer on a foundation, you may be asked to give a speech to an organization seeking help from that foundation. The daughter of the politician might receive over $60,000 for giving such a speech. This can be referred to as paid play.
there are lots of ways of looking at things. So when I say you aren't safe, there are reasons for that. If you are someone who has lived your entire life in a third world country, faced with a daily struggle to survive, having a need for shelter, access to clean water, food, and a means of making a living for yourself, perhaps living under an authoritarian government, if you're that person and someone shows you a panoramic image of New York City, an image of all those buildings reaching high into the sky, you might ask yourself, how can such a thing exist? Well, we living in this country have an explanation for why and how there is such a thing as that image of New York City. In fact, similar images exist across this country in other urban centers. Cities with buildings built high into the sky, made of steel and glass, and it's a source of pride and proof of who we are. Those buildings are built from a lot of ideas, and they perform in fulfilling the aspirations of the people who worked in those buildings. Well, the continual use of those buildings and the people that worked in them have been seriously challenged by the reality of a disease, COVID-19. This plague is going to be with us for a long time and is changing how we live. It is a living thing, a virus, and it was probably manufactured by humans. With over 200,000 deaths attributed to it and millions of people out of work in this country, there's plenty of reason to say we aren't safe. There are those that are saying everything is going to be all right, that we'll get back to the way things were. Well, those buildings we look to with such pride that said so much about who we were no longer stand filled with people and probably won't be filled again as they once were. No, we aren't safe. And the truth is, we've never been safe. Only ruled by intangible illusions. This week on Garner Isn't, 
You heard a collection of music by various artists from the album Natural Selection, Music of Planet Earth, a 2016 release. First, a piece by Stephen Dean Hilton, Day, followed by Alex Balanescu and Dave Hewson's composition, Celestial Journey. And then a piece by Simon Arthur Rhodes, Take to the Sky. And then a circular and repetitive piece by Troy Benarzi and Alex Belenescu, Acoustic Tapestry. Then Simon Arthur Rhodes with another more forward-sounding piece, Dancing with Time. And then again, a repeat of a cut from Rose's piece, Take to the Sky. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.